folks, and thanks for dropping in to another episode of Off the Record. For today's episode, I decided to reach out to someone who I'd already interviewed pre-pandemic, simply because now I had more time to talk to them, and last time our interview got cut short. I'm talking about Justin Benlolo, the frontman and founder of Broken Love, a rock group based out of Toronto and, I guess, New York, uh, simply because everyone else in the band is from New York, aside from Justin. Anyway, Justin and I talk about the band and his origin story for working in the music industry, which is fascinating. Uh, we also chat about how scary today's hard video games are. I hope you enjoy. First off, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me today, dude. I really appreciate it. I don't, I don't really have a lot going on right now, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a very interesting couple of months for all of us, but uh, tell me how, how did COVID affect the band? Like, were you guys currently like on the road or anything like that? Or um, I remember when, actually, when, when you guys came to Lee's Palace, that was like the fourth last show of the tour. So it, it, the timing sort of worked out perfectly because we got home on the 4th of March and then my, my band flew back to New York and I think the day that they got back to New York on like the 6th or the 7th, it, they immediately went into lockdown and, uh, and Toronto like followed suit like pretty, or I guess all of Canada followed suit pretty, pretty uh, soon afterwards. Um, but yeah, I mean... I was supposed to be on tour right now, <laughs> you know, like we were supposed to be touring oh, essentially yeah. all of May, um, most of June, I think July, we, we were supposed to have a, a little bit of a break, but we were gonna go back out in August. Um, we had some plans for September as well. So basically like we lost like three or four months basically of touring. So the summer was just, it's just a wash now and now, you know, I mean, I'm writing music. I'm doing what yeah. I can on that front, but, um, but yeah, you know, much like other bands, like obviously it's it's out of our hands. We can't control it, so it doesn't feel like a direct like hit, you know, because everybody's in this together. But but yeah, you know, mm -hmm. we lost our touring pretty much, just like a lot of other people. What kind of stuff have you been doing to keep busy? Weather's nice. At least I can go outside, you know. And uh, yeah. I've been biking a lot. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, I got bad allergies, which is another thing I should mention. Now the weather's nice, of course, like when I go outside, the pollen just attacks me and then I, I, I can't be outside for that long. Um, but I've been writing music, you know, as much as I can. I mean, it's sort of becoming a, a, a daunting process now because there's almost this like, uh, uh, like, I feel like I'm, we're forcing creativity because we have all this downtime and like a lot of our art right now like oh well we're not doing anything let's just write a bunch of music and um there's something sort of like intrinsic intrinsically like wrong with that i think because you should never be forced like to do anything <laughs> and i think that especially when you're making music and trying to create art and all that kind of stuff like the last thing you want is to is to push yourself to do something when you don't really feel like doing it you know and there hit there has been this sort of like back and forth in my mind where like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really doing much. Maybe I should just write more. But then on the other side, I'm like, oh, well, I don't really feel like writing, but I feel like I'm obligated to because I have all this downtime and I won't have this time in the future to do it. Um, I mean, that being said, I have been writing songs and, I, and I've already written a handful um, that I think are good, you know, which is good. Um, 
that are, I guess are just going <laughs> to stick around until, you know, we can actually do anything with it. Um, we're probably not going to end up touring. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the touring business probably won't come back to like spring or next summer, you yeah. know, they're even saying, yeah, they're even saying next year. Yeah. And that's just being optimistic. Like a lot of people are still sending us messages because, um, one of the tours we were supposed to be on didn't officially cancel. Like they rescheduled. Um, so some of the dates are still marked down and people ask me like, Hey, are you playing on like the 28th of July in North Carolina? I'm like, no, you know, which kind of sucks <laughs> for them because like, obviously we're not in control of that. You know, we don't get to make the call what's being rescheduled, what's canceled, whatever. Cause we're like the opening band. So, you know, it is sort of like an interesting thing that's happening right now where people are like, they're, they're rescheduling the tour so they don't have to give back people's money, you know, which, uh, I don't necessarily yeah. agree with, you know, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, but a lot of people are just, are doing that anyways. I mean, I get it cause it's a loss of revenue. Not that that's really important to this conversation, you know, but it's like, you shouldn't be taking people's money and, and holding on to it, you know, yeah. for the sake of like, for, for like a year, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever they sure. think it's going to go back on. But again, like that's out of our hands. We don't really control any of that stuff, you know? So we apologize. <laughs> uh, and you guys were, was this the tour that was happening with Alter Bridge? The one-off with Alter Bridge at some point that was supposed to happen like a couple days ago or something. Like, I don't really know the exact date. Right, yeah. But um, we were going to be on tour with Pop Evil. And, um, okay. and like, which would have been our second tour with them, which would have been really cool because we toured with them back in September and they're great. And we already have that relationship. So the tour was already going to be that much more fun. And um, throughout May, you know, all the all the rock festivals were supposed to happen, like Aftershock and uh, Epicenter, Sonic Temple. Like we were supposed to do all those. Um, a couple other things that I, I can't remember right now, but May was like packed for us, and June was pretty slammed as well. And then we were supposed to do something in August with um, with um, what's the band called? Oh man, I'm blanking right now. Um, they're like from, from Texas. Crowbot. We were supposed to do something with Crowbot in August, oh. which would have been sick too. Right on. You know, because they sort of like fit in our world, and people have compared us to them, um, which is awesome. So that would have been a lot of fun. I don't know what was like in the cards for September. I know that we were cooking some some things up that I probably can't mention because it's not going to happen anyways. But um. Oh. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter now in hindsight, like, you know, but uh, we did have some plans for some stuff in September. And, you know, and obviously, like, the, the biggest thing for me that sucks is that it, it was sort of unfortunate because, you know, my biggest fear was like this album wasn't going to get a proper shot when it came out anyways. And of course, like, it's nobody's fault. But, you know, we put up the album right when everything sort of started getting crazy in the world. And um, of course, it's out of everybody's hands because we didn't. Nobody has control over that. So th that's sort of, you know, for me, that's the most disappointing part about this whole thing. I could deal with not touring for a little bit. Of course, like it's gonna suck not to tour for another year. But a part of me is like, man, we, we made this really, really great record, in my opinion, um, and I'm so proud of it. And we can't go out and promote it, really, you know, because now obviously you know there's a pandemic and it's not safe 
but um, nobody's really doing much right now. Just 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 on 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 like marketing fronts and and, and label fronts and stuff. Just because it's sort of a, an interesting situation where why would you spend money on something if there's like a, a very um, it, it, it just, there's, there's a very unlikely chance that people are going to pick up on new bands and all that kind of stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Unless you're established, you know, if you're like Drake or something, you drop a single, you don't need anybody. Yeah. You just put it on Twitter and it's fine. But, you know, like we're a new band and we don't have that, that, um, that outreach and, and the, um, and, and the fan base to sort of do that. Um, we sort of rely on, on, on a lot of people to help us out. And like I said, listen, it's nobody's fault. And I understand what happened, but, that's sort of been tough for me to swallow just because I didn't want this album to go to waste. And I don't think it will entirely. Like there is a lot of people that have, you know, gotten it or have been listening to it, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sort of sucks that we're not able to go out on the road and sort of back it. Cause my, my, my opinion on it has always been like, well, you know, out of sight, out of mind, because we're a new band. It's sort of hard for people to, to, you know, follow us around unless they're true fans, which we, we do have a, a bunch of those, which I'm, again, I'm super, super grateful for. But a, a lot of what we're doing now to expand the fan base and get people to listen to us is going out and playing shows, you know, and being put in front of people, um, which obviously we can't do. And that, that's sort of a great catalyst uh, to introduce, introducing people to our music where they otherwise, you know, wouldn't really find it on their own unless they, you know, go through Spotify playlists and all that kind of stuff, which we've been grateful again to have a, a bunch of, um, a, bu- a bunch of playlist thing. And that's been super awesome. You know, I guess the upside is that streaming has been really good since the pandemic started because people are listening to a lot of music now. Yeah. Um, but I think for a rock band, it's like so crucial for rock bands to go out and tour and be put in front of people just because that's where rock really belongs in my mind where rock thrives. Definitely, and, yeah, yeah. It's like a live art line, line, right? They get more connected to it, you know? It's like they've seen you, you yeah. know? <laughs> they felt your sweat, you know? They've seen you grind. Yeah. <laughs> um, for real, it's like, you know, everybody's in this sort of moment together and it becomes a sort of magical thing that we can't really recreate now, even though people are doing, like, live streams and, you know, like, Instagram Live and whatever and all that kind of stuff, which is great because it's, it is a way to, you know, play live music again. It just doesn't capture the same feel obviously you know and i just argue that even more so for a rock band where like a live show is so integral to the rock experience mm-hmm. that um that's sort of been a bit of a bummer for me and the rest of the dudes right yeah um, but that being said like listen we're working on new music i don't think people are going to forget about the album um uh i know we have some plans that i can't really talk about yet um right. That we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff soon, you know. But but yeah, I mean, I guess that's really my two cents. I don't mean to ramble. <laughs> no, no, no worries, no worries, man. That, that's why this this platform is great. Like we can ramble away for uh, as long as you you have time. We can keep talking. <laughs> well, I love to talk, and you know, I'm really passionate about this stuff. So I haven't really gotten a chance to do much uh, of any of this since this has started. You know. I mean, like I said, everything's sort of sleeping right now, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we're, we're taking it, we're taking the liberty of like, you know, being super active on um, social media and all that kind of stuff. You yeah, know? I've been noticing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only way we could, we can connect with people now, of course, you know, um, so that's even though it's something I, I like, 
truthfully despise. <laughs> like, I really hate it. I really dislike the social media thing, and I'm not really a big social media guy myself. Right. Um, but of course, now, you know, we recognize it as an important tool, you know, and it's, it's so important nowadays to be active and, and build a sort of aesthetic and, and a connection to people. Um, and I'll, ne- I'll never get tired of, of, of talking to, to fans or anybody that wants to reach out and, and, and just send me a message because I pretty much respond to everybody. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like surprised that people actually like this band <laughs> and know who we are, you know? So that's just amazing enough to me. And if people want to reach out to me, like that's all day, you know, I, I literally hit everybody back just because I'm so thankful for the, uh, for the appreciation. Yeah. Um, but it is just, it's just so exhausting sometimes. Like, you know, trying to come up with content and it, it, it's all just very, uh, uh, to me, sometimes it's silly, <laughs> you know, just because I wish we could just put out the music and play the shows. And I don't have to post, you know, pictures and build some sort of like, I guess, quote unquote brand online. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so important now, you know, yeah. like I said, I feel like if we stop, it's like then people forget who we are. Um, which hopefully will change as the years go by and, and, and you know, hopefully the band uh, gains more and more success. Right, right. Um, yeah, you you, uh, you did mention that. So the rest of the band, you're the only, are you the only Canadian in the band? The only Canadian in the yeah. band. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, and you said the, the rest of the guys, are, are they all based in New York? They're all in New York City. Oh, man. That's, so they, like, had to go right back to, like, literally one of the world's biggest, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, hot zones for, uh, for all of this. That's, uh, is everyone in the band okay? Like, uh, all the guys are doing all right? You know, everybody's responsible in my band. We're not like, <laughs> we're not like denying that the pandemic is real and like denying that masks are important and we're keeping clean. You know, it's yeah. like, we're pretty level-headed guys. And of course, like being in New York City, it's particularly scary. Um, even though it's getting a little bit better now, it's just like when they were there, right at the beginning it was insane mm-hmm. you know and they told me they were hearing ambulances like every single day just going through the city oh and that's just that's just heartbreaking yeah. you know and it's scary like i mean i'm scared enough being in my suburb like in toronto right um although like here it's not it's not dense like new york like man you're you're compact over there oh yeah um, like you can't even go i mean you know just going to the grocery store is like a that's a scary experience. I mean, it's a scary experience for me now, even though I know that in my community, um, thankfully we don't have a lot of active cases here. Like we have like maybe seven or eight active cases. Like it's pretty low. Right. Um, but you still just can't take the risk because listen, I don't want to get sick and I don't want to get other people sick. And I'm sure most people feel that way too. Um, but yeah, for them being in New York, like, man, I felt for them seriously. Mm -hmm. Like for sure. That is brutal. And there's something super isolating, like like extremely isolating about being in a city where there's so many people and there's so much to do. And like that, that, that's really a city that's built on, you know, the people's backs. Like it's, it's, it's about the community in New York City. Everybody's just it's like one melting pot, you know, yeah, and yeah. I feel like being disconnected from people in that way and, and having to self-isolate in New York City is like the worst thing ever <laughs> you oh, know yeah yeah i can totally i can totally imagine what uh what suburb are you based in right now uh, in thornhill thornhill in toronto 
But I'm at like Young and and like Steeles area. Okay. Of uh, the city, like it, like two blocks up from me, becomes Toronto, basically. Right. right. Gotcha. Vaughn, I guess it's kind of like up in the air. I don't know exactly where like where I'm sort of located because I know I'm, I'm between Young and Bayview and all this stuff. So like some people say it's Marco, some people say it's Thornhill. I'm just like, fuck it, it's Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned you've been like riding your bike and stuff. Do you have any like new hobbies or anything that you've picked up? I've been playing a lot of video games. You know, I've always sort of been a gamer growing up. Okay. Um, I just haven't had the time to do it. And also my brother, uh, he goes to, he's like, he has, it's his PlayStation. Okay. And uh, I live at home with my family. Right. Um, and he goes away for school. So he's never home. And when he's not home, he takes the PlayStation with him. Right. But obviously now because everybody's home, like I've been playing video games like a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much it. Like a new hobbies. Like, listen, I, I, I love playing guitar. And like, like, even though it's like my quote unquote job or whatever that mm-hmm. means, like I play guitar every day for hours just cause that's what I love to do. It's what I've always loved to do. Right. Um, unfortunately I haven't been exercising as much as I should. Like I'm usually a pretty avid like gym goer and I like working out at the gym and you know, obviously again, like those are all closed down and, even though, you know, you could do some home workout stuff, like, I, I'm sort of the person that, like, needs to walk out the door to get, like, my workout in. Like, right. I don't want to, it's like I could do so many other things at home. Yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. Like, working out, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, leaving uh, leaving the house gives you that motivation, right? So, I walk out the door, I'm like, I'm going to the gym, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to run my bike, like. That sort of a thing I could do. Because now that the restrictions, I know that, well, in Toronto, is it phase two down there? Now? Uh, I think like phase two is on the cusp of, of opening up, or maybe it has already opened up. I know like, um, no, no, it, it definitely has because I know that uh, patios are open now. So <laughs> patio, and it's perfect. It's like patio season. So at least like local, local bars and restaurants and stuff can like start hopefully uh making some sort of income i know there's been so many places that have had to shut down which is so sad to see um so yeah phase two is is happening now like like it's a little bit at least in my community like most people have like backyards and stuff so i we've actually been able to hang out with people right because now you can hang up to hang out with up to like 10 people yeah or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you so can have been like, able to do that and, you know have barbecues and all that kind of stuff you're obviously staying outside um and you know being safe with that so that's been a little bit better lately just because like the first two months of this thing it was like everybody's just cramped we got cabin fever mm-hmm. like like i wouldn't leave my house i was i was like deathly scared of just like stepping outside right. um but as time and time has passed it's like okay well it's, it's easing up a little bit we're seeing the cases go down in my area like significantly and um the weather's so nice it's like it's so hard to stay inside Cause it's just so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so at least I've been able to have friends over and all that kind of stuff. But like, just to go back to like the hobbies kind of thing, like, I mean, I, I really just been playing a lot of video games, honestly. Like what I've been drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's maybe that's a new thing. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, what else am I going to do? You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, uh, what video games are you playing right now? just beat the entire god of war series okay nice um, which are fucking unbelievable yeah like it's like it's like art 
literally yeah. and yeah. like the last installment like i guess you can call god of war 4 but it's really just called god of war yeah um it's one of the best video games I've ever played and uh i was playing a lot of like uh call of duty yep when this first sort of this first like started happening but i got bored of it uh now mm-hmm. and i just started playing a spider-man game last night like the last marvel spider-man game it's a lot of fun i beat it before i'm just trying to play it again yeah yeah I'm bored. Oh yeah, man, that that game's a that game's a lot of fun too. Yeah, I know when uh, COD kind of also came out at oh, like pretty much when I don't know. I think like the highest point of all people playing video games uh, was kind of when Warzone came out and they let it come out for free. So I know that's like all my buddies were playing that. We've kind of moved on now. I think uh, most of uh, most of my friends now are uh, playing The Last of Us Two, which just got released. So I'm playing through the first one just so I can come right into the second one with like, you know, fresh eyes. It's going to be made for PS4. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm like really excited. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of gaming too. Well, it's funny that you say that because I actually, I started playing Last of Us the other day. Yeah. And uh, it was just too scary for me. Like, I got <laughs> spooked, you know? And, and, and it's funny because like I used to play Dead Space, which are terrifying games. Oh yeah. You know? I remember and I Dead Space. when I was like 14, 15. And like now, I guess as I've gotten older, well, I guess what's also changed is like now we all play with headsets. Yeah. Know? Oh it's yeah. So you're playing. submersed in that sound, man, and it is terrifying. Because <laughs> you can hear the creatures behind you and all that kind of stuff, and it's so much different than playing on like a TV that you're like ten feet away from. Yeah. And there's TV audio. It's like now I don't think I can go back and play Dead Space with headphones, <laughs> even though that that I would say that's like way scarier than last of us like that's a that is a true horror game oh yeah you're um, all alone on a spaceship with aliens coming at you at every corner terrifying <laughs> terrifying <laughs> but at the time like but it's one of those games i feel like where like you sort of get used to like the uh the um the rhythm of it like you sort of you you, you could sort of guess when the the jump scares were gonna happen yeah and all that kind of stuff like you sort of get integrated over like the first hour and you're like, okay, okay, now I get it. You know, I mean, it's still scary. It's still very spooky. Yeah. <laughs> um, but The Last of Us, man, I, just, I couldn't do it. Like I got into this thing and I was like, oh man, like this is just, I was shaking just because of the headphones. You right. Know? Yeah. And I play on like a little monitor now, like now that we're all like adept at the video game thing, like I have a little monitor, it's like 15 inches or something. It's like tiny. Because, you know, then you get the best graphics and all that kind of stuff. Right. No uh, frame rate drop and all that stuff. Um, and with my headphones, I'm like, I just can't handle it. Like, I just <laughs> shut it off. I want to play something happier. It's also kind of an interesting game to be playing right now because it sort of deals with the issue of a pandemic and all yeah, that kind of stuff. And definitely. And really crazy. Yeah. So uh, it's sort of like hit home a little bit. Yeah, for uh, sure. I felt a bit weird, like, starting it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is... Like, I, I knew it was a zombie game. Like, I remembered it being a zombie game, but I, I forgot it was just, like, a, a sickness that took over people and people got sick first. And then, like, it was, like, yeah, a bit too close to home for sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, like, I'm just putting my head down and getting through that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to try and get through it because apparently it's one of the greatest stories of all time. You it know, is. It's amazing. It's one of the greatest video games of all time. So I'm like, shit, I got to I gotta try, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have to muster up like the balls for the next couple of days to sort of get back into it. Maybe I'll play it during the day because I've been gaming at like one, two in the morning. Yeah, um, which yeah. is also like terrible because it's you know late and dark. And yeah, 
it's scary. Yeah, the witching hour. <laughs> Try it out during during the day. Like I think it's it's also like like you said for Dead Space. Once you get a bit more used to it, it's uh, it becomes less scary. Like uh, you know, you can you can like hear the guys. You also have like that that uh, you can press a button so you can kind of see through walls and like see people around. Which I'm like when I play it at night, I'm like holding down on that button button all the time. I'm like I don't want to be terrified right now. It's like. Oh my god! It's just so scary with the sounds that those things make. You yeah. Know? And then there's the other there's the, there's the other creatures that are like I think they're called like splitters or something. They're blind, but if oh, you don't the, move, they the, can't see you. Yeah, the clickers. The clickers. Oh my god! Like that. That's what made me stop because I'm in this <laughs> mission now. It's right off the top of the game. I'm pretty sure where you get the little girl and you're taking her to like a base or something because she was infected, but she might have the cure or whatever. Yeah. And you get separated from the two and now you have to make it through like this area where oh, all these dude, clickers. I, I just played that part yesterday. <laughs> yeah. That. Like that's what made me turn it off. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I had to do the same thing. Right. Yeah. I had to walk away. I, I just finished it like last night and I got through it and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm putting it off again. I gotta, I gotta walk away from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's just, it's a scary one. And, and people don't like, nobody prepared me for it. Cause when I looked it up, everybody's like, oh, it's not that scary. Like not really a horror game. And I beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's jokes. Um, all right, man. Well, let's uh, let's get back to talking about music. Um, um, yeah. So I uh, I just wanted like I do want to talk about the album and kind of the making of. I did think it was interesting. I think I brought this up last time we talked, but um, the the fact that the album came out on Valentine's Day, the band's called Broken Love. Was that like kind of something you guys planned for? Semi-intentional. Like, uh, originally it was supposed to come out last November. Okay. Um, but there was, like, an issue with the vinyl pressing or something like that. Um, so they're like, okay, we have to push it back. Mm-hmm. And then we're all like, well, you know, what's an appropriate date? We're all like, fuck it, Valentine's Day. Like, that's just so great. You know, it just makes sense with the name of the band. Obviously, um, it goes hand in hand, Broken Love, Valentine's Day. It just makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's almost, like, literal, you know? Yeah. And, uh... That was a good move. I, I thought that was awesome. You know, um, that was sort of a collective thing. It wasn't actually meant to do that first time around, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it more of a happy accent, I would say. Yeah. And uh, you had been working on the album for like a long time. I, I think you told me you had a bunch of songs written like years and years before. When did you decide like it was you were ready to start getting a band together and getting getting the tracks recorded and all of that? When when were you like, OK, I'm, I'm good to finally start getting getting stuff going? It, it's interesting because like I, I had a bunch of songs. I actually made a record before the one mm-hmm. that everybody here like has heard now um, that got scrapped. Okay. Um, like I, I sort of went through the process for a couple of years. Like, uh, like I guess I, I started essentially writing for the record when I was like 17. Um, and I, I mean, I guess it, it was just through like trial and error. Like I obviously had a great team that I was working with too that could sort of sift through things with me and let me know when um, was the right time to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and also through making a record before I'd done the one with Joel or the debut record, I guess we could say, um, I had made another record that was just like thrown out basically. Um, and that also helped sort of like, like um, what's what I'm looking for? Just, just make the process more clear, like make, make the end goal more clear. You know, um, it just shaped, it shaped the, uh, what the next record would sound like more, which essentially, I, I mean, I, I'm saying the next record, like I have two albums out there, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
but the, there was a record before this that got scrapped. And I think that that was a good learning process just because it taught me even more so what I wanted to do in the end. Right. And, uh, it, I mean, you know, it's funny because I didn't do this record with my band that, that you met and saw. Like, I, I actually did it on my own. Oh, okay. Um, as a trio. Like, I had two of my friends, dude, Dylan Wood and Brian Weaver, a great drummer and a great bass player, that I worked with before. And at the time, I didn't know the guys that I was playing with now. Oh, interesting. Would have been nice if I did. It would have made things a lot easier. Right. But, um, I had those dudes come in, play the bass and drums, like knock them out of the park because they're pros and they know what they're doing. So that helps out a lot because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not as much of a session guy or whatever as those dudes were. Right. And they're fantastic and they lay down the shit amazing. It sounds great. Um, and then I played all the guitars on the record. Okay. Um, and of course I sang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything. Um, but yeah, like putting the band together was, was of course, like, you know, the next logical step after finishing the record. What, what did happen, though, is like, you know, the record was sort of pushed back for a while. Um, we didn't know, we didn't have a home for it, essentially. Like, I wasn't signed to Spine Farm, mm-hmm. who I'm signed to now, um, for about, like, a year or so after the record was done. So I was just sitting around, you know. And in that time frame, it was like, okay, well, let's put a band together. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, let's start playing shows because, like, I I didn't play any of the songs live for like a year, uh, and I was doing some. Well, that's not true. I was doing some some stuff in Toronto, just my friends who are musicians up here, just like getting gigs at like some bars downtown, and you know, we could bring a lot of people because we went to big high school, everybody knew we were musicians and just through our friends, we could bring a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously it wasn't like new fans because these are just people that know us. Right. Uh, but, but eventually my manager helped me put a band together in New York. And that's why I met Kyle and Nick and Russell. Um, and we just sort of gelled. I mean, that's actually a little untrue. Like we had a different drummer before we had Russell. We had this dude, Anthony, who was a great friend of mine. And uh, it just didn't work out. And we had to get a new drummer. Um, and Nick went to high school with Russell. So there he knew each other. And he brought him in after like a month or two. And it just clicked right away. And essentially we just kept playing and playing and playing and doing like the New York circuit and whatever. And my manager is amazing. And she knows she knows who to call when, when the time is right. You know, because right. she's been working in the record business for like 20 plus years. Right. Um, so she's worked at, uh, you know, various labels and worked with a lot of people. So it really just, the songs we knew were there. Like, like I'm confident to say the songs were there and the record was done. So that part was already done. But now we sort of have to nail down the performance aspect and make sure that as a band, we sound tight, we look great, and, um, and we perform well. So that took a little bit of time, mm-hmm. but of course, through like the, the showcasing thing and just being put in front of a bunch of people, we ended up, um, finding a home with Spine Farm, you know, which is great. And we've been with them for a little over a year now and it's been nothing, nothing but amazing. You know, I love everybody there and what they've been doing for the band is 
amazing. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, tell me about getting signed. Like, were you, um, did you have like a few labels that you were looking at? And then what, what made you decide to go with Spine Farm in the end? Yeah, so I, I guess like I was actually signed to another label before I was on Spine Farm. Okay. Um, and they actually got bought out. I was on a label called Razor and Tie. Okay. And what happened was is, is Concord is this other big company and they sort of bought out a bunch of other labels. And when they bought out Concord, I got dropped. Sorry, when Concord bought out Razor and Tie, I got dropped off that label. Um, and that was like a whole thing because, you know, we had to pick up, pick up again and do it all over again and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but... You know, when we went with Spine Farm, it was sort of an easy decision. It was kind of a no-brainer because there was a lot of people coming to see the band. And, and, and you know, one of the things I really hate and that, that happens a lot in the industry is, like, people be like, oh, yeah, love the band, great. Uh, call me when this happens, you know? Like, keep, we'll keep in touch. Like, let me know when they play another show or when they have more songs. It's like, well, we already knew that we had it, you know, and we had a team that already knew that we, we were like ready to go. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, you know, get on the train or, or, uh, or don't. Right. <laughs> like we're going, we're yeah. going forward with or without you. Gotcha. And, you know, when, when the Spine Park dudes showed up, like Derek is my A&R there, like he immediately got it. He showed up, saw the band, heard the music. He's like, oh yeah, I got it. And like, that's what we want because there was no, it, it was like no frills, you know what I mean? Like, right. we just came in, understood what we did, understood what we were saying, understood what we st stood for, um, got the vision, got the uh, the creative aspect and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was it was just an easy decision, honestly. Right. Um, you know, we had a bunch of people that were sort of into it, but nobody was really pulling the trigger. Mm -hmm. And with him, it was like immediate. He came in, he's like, oh, love it let's do this. And that's and what, like, yeah, Fuck. that's what you want. You yeah. just what you want someone that believes right. in you like that. Right. Right. And that's like the kind of energy I want too. It's like a winner's, it's like a, a, a it's, it's, it's a winner's, um, um, mindset, you know, like he just saw, he liked it. He got it. And he's like, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's not lollygag. You know, yeah. a lot of other people are more apprehensive because I get it. Listen, like, especially with major labels and stuff, it's, it's, it's a big risk signing a new young rock band. That's right. already like terrifying. Just saying that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and it, it, it's also a risk, you know, signing a band that has zero following. Like we had nothing, you right. know, before we started. Sure, we had the music, but like nobody knew who we were. We had no socials and all that kind of stuff, which is a question that gets brought up time and time again. Like, oh yeah, the band's great. How many followers do they want? Yeah. Oh yeah, how many subscribers do they have on YouTube? It's like, fuck that. Like. You know, you can't deny somebody's talent because they don't have a million subscribers on YouTube. I know. You know, yeah. Which is terrible. And it's like, there was a point, I remember when Justin Bieber got signed, um, everybody immediately was like, oh, fuck, okay, the new thing is YouTube. Let's just go on YouTube and we're going to find artists that way, you know? And a lot of them were surprised to see that, like, again, I've, I've been doing this for a while, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been in the business since I was, like, 12, believe yeah. it or not. But, um... But uh, I was seeing it time and time again. You know, people would take a chance on these YouTube artists or like at the time there was Vine and like whatever. And there's a few that made it through, you know, because they are truly talented, like Beaver, Sean Mendez, you know, whatever. 
Uh, there's, a, there's a couple more in there, but they're actually talented and they, 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 um, you know, they're the real deal. But there was a lot of people that were getting signed because yeah, they have great voices when they sing into a camera and record it, but then you don't take in the performance aspect of it. You know, can they perform? Can they interact with people? Um, are they charismatic? Like all that kind of stuff sort of fell through. Right. And to me, I was like, oh, well then we should just let this, you know, the whole YouTube subscriber, whatever social media narrative, like die because that doesn't mean anything, you know? Yeah, yeah for I sure. Mean, the best way to, to judge a band is play a show and invite the, the industry to the show and then they should get it, you know? Listen to the music before you get the record, whatever, a couple songs, you know, a little promo reel, I would say. And then see how they perform, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what's selling, you know? People don't really buy music anymore, so... If your band can't tour or perform live, you're essentially fucked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You exactly, know? man. Exactly. Like, that's really the only way a label can making their money back is by selling tickets as well as for the, the band and the artist, too. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very, very good point. Different, though, for pop artists and hip-hop artists and a lot of country artists, too, because those are still formats where radio plays the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they sell a lot of records. Yeah, you know, they actually do sell a lot of records still, right? Um, which is a little bit different for rock. Like, it's not rock is not as big of a genre as those are anymore. You know, I mean, quietly, I think it's just as big. I think the underground is a lot louder than people think. You mm-hmm. know, it's just that rock is typically less mainstream. Yeah, so it's it's less in your face, and people just don't recognize that it's just as a just as a uh, abundant, but it's just not. It's not in your face, you right? Know? You're not. You're not. It's not being. It's not being let known that it's around as much. Right. Right. How do you? Um, how do you? How does that make you feel? Like uh, just knowing that, you know, pop and like EDM and you know hip hop are like the main thing now, and rock's kind of not as mainstream. I mean, in the in a way, it's like that's kind of what rock has sort of always been. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's always sort of been secular and been its own thing. I mean, of course, there's times in, like, the 80s and 90s where, like, rock blew the fuck up mm-hmm. and everybody and their mother was, like, trying to incorporate some sort of element of rock in their music, yeah. you know, because it was so so popular at the time. But there is something special about about it being quiet, or quieter, I should say, because there is a, a still a bunch of huge rock bands that get played on the radio nonstop. I mean, listen, like, our, our song Shot Down mm-hmm. killed on radio in Canada, so I can't say that rock is essentially dead because it's not um it's just sort of taking a back seat right now yeah but um you, you, I, my whole thing on it is like well a lot of people don't really know what they like at the end of the day a lot of people don't really like music they just sort of listen to what they're being told to listen to yeah and you know it's like very generic it's like these people they just listen to what's on the radio or like what's being played at the club or whatever like they're not going in deep on music and i feel like musicians will always have a a large appreciation for you know real music people actually play Mm -hmm. stuff that's a little bit more intellectually advanced um but at the same time there's a lot of casual listeners who are actual fans of music i think those people always end up being into into rock and more instrumental based Music, you know, blues, jazz, even country, you know, like all that stuff is great. I mean, there's a lot of great pop too. I'm not trying to take that away from anything. Like I like hip hop and pop too. It's just when it keeps getting shoved down everybody's throats and that's what the media portrays as like the thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, 
of course more people are going to like it. The only way for Rock to end up back in that place is for the media to be like, oh, well, now it's, you know, <laughs> now it's this shit. You yeah, know? And yeah, definitely. Even in the, in the early 2000s or the mid-2000s, that's when, like, post-grunge was huge. And all the huge bands were, like, Nickelback and Creed and, uh, and like, uh, Three Days Grace and, and uh, all those kinds of bands. Even, like, pop-punk bands. Like, All-American Rejects were huge. Mm-hmm. Um fucking blink like blink 182 yeah some 41 like that was like the sound of the time when i was when i was like six seven eight uh coming up like that's what everybody listened to we all listen to simple plan which is canadian so i don't know if everybody knows that (laughs) but (laughs) you know we all listen to some 41 and and blink and and green day green day is a little bit different for me because they're 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 just like a just a good rock band i think they sort of have their own lane you know yeah yeah they've they've also changed so much right that that's a band where you can like see all kinds of growth i know so many people that are like so pissed off with what green day is now but it's like they've been making music for oh my god like almost 30 years now like they're not gonna sound the same like they did back in the day (laughs) that's what i love about them like that's why i sort of jumped off the pop punk thing as i got older because Green Day sort of progressed and matured and became something different, even though people categorize them as like you know quote unquote pop punk. Mm-hmm. I never even I never saw them as that, like as opposed to like Blink and Sum Forty One, who to me were like more of that sound or whatever. Right. Um, and countless other bands, like they were always more like actual punk rock to me. Right. You know. Right. Right. Um, more like Ramones on steroids. Right. You know, uh, to me at least, and they progressed greatly, but. You know, the point I'm trying to make is that at the time, that was the popular thing. That was pop music. Yeah. You know? And I remember hating it at a certain point because everybody in my class, when I was like in grade one, was like, oh, listening to fucking American Idiot. That was like the huge album at the time. And everybody in the class was listening to it. Like, it was the shit. Yeah. So, uh, like, that goes back to my point in saying that I don't think people really know what they like. Right. It's just because the media tells them that's what's cool. People telling you that this is what to listen to right now. Right. You know? And with a, a band like, I mean, there's a couple bands that are sort of single-handedly like saving or putting rock back in the forefront. Like, you know, there's Royal Blood. Who oh, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, and blew the fuck up. Like, they're, they're, they're massive now. Like, yeah. after two records, they're huge. Yeah. Um, you got Highly Suspect, another great rock band that has also, like, they have two records. No, three records now. I'm wrong. Um, and again, are like already massive, you know, in such a short time span. Right. They got great event fleet, you know, like I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, despite what you think about them, that doesn't really matter. But the fact that they can put out an album, win a Grammy for it in today's climate, you know, as a rock band playing like raw rock and roll. Yeah. That's important, man. That's really important. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Yeah. I, yeah. get into that. I mean, that's my, I don't know. I don't mean to keep going on forever. No, man. No, don't, don't apologize. Don't apologize. I, uh, yeah, I totally, I, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Um, let's talk a bit more about, about your album. I think we kind of got into it a little bit last time, but I wanted to know about working with Joel Hamilton, man. Was, was that someone you, you specifically wanted to like work with or how did that happen? I was a fan of, of the, of the suspect stuff, you right. know, at the time, like it was interesting because I was sort of seeing this decline. Like I was, I, I, I was very sort of fed up with like mainstream radio rock, like mm-hmm. that sort of sound. Yeah. You know, 
not that it's bad. Again, I'm not bashing anything. It's just not the sound I'm particularly into because it does have a very particular thing, you know, with the songwriting style, the, mm-hmm. the, the sound design, like all that kind of stuff is very, it's just too, um, how do I say it? Like, it's almost like too keen, just, right? Like it's, it's digital. So it's just so. It's totally bad. And people don't realize that it's like rock is supposed to be this genre where people are, um, are, are like so, so excited about real rawness, organic energy, you know, um, real drums, like real guitar amps and all this stuff that you hear now, despite what I think about it, like, listen, it's big for a reason and the songs are good. You know, that's how they get big. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff is fake drums and really, really cut up vocals that are tuned to shit, Mm -hmm. you know, and the guitars are all fake amps. Like they're all fractal systems and, and, um, and, um, uh, what is it, Kempers and all that kind of stuff, you know, which sort of takes the humanity out of rock and roll, which I think is like one of the main selling points of the genre, you yeah. know, that it's so human. Right. Like, that's what rock is. It's about, it's about being real, you yeah. know? And that sort of like flips it. Cause it's like, man, that's everything. A lot of quote unquote rock fans hate about other genres and don't realize that they're sort of perpetuating that same idea with the bands they they think are you know real rock or whatever you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um but on on that like i was I, I was feeling that and i was like man like wh- where are the cool young rock bands you know that are cool and real you know and i remember i was just like searching some forums because at the time i was already super into royal blood so they were like the only band for oh, me okay. at the time <laughs> That, that was like knocking it out of the out of the park. Of course, and I'm talking like new bands. Of course, and there's a lot of other bands that I love, but like bands that were coming out and that were young and, and new, you know. Right. And uh, I was like looking up stuff on Google, like you know, bands that sound like Royal Blood. And then I saw Howie Suspect, and I listened to Lydia, and I'm like, holy fuck! I'm like, this is what rock should sound like. Yeah. You know, like this is real. This is this is raw. This is like emotionally deep but also like kind of punk and like careless you know um so i was like fuck like this is awesome mm-hmm. and when we started talking about producers for who's going to do my record i just looked up like on wikipedia um high suspects record and i saw joel hamilton mm-hmm. i clicked on his name and i was like oh man he's based in brooklyn i'm like that's cool like he's pretty much right here <laughs> i was in new york at the time right and uh Talk to my manager, and she's like, "Yeah, I actually know his manager." Oh I'm no like, way! Okay, <laughs> sick. So, you know, that's really cool because again, then when he, you know, agreed to work with us, and and you know, thought that the songs were cool, and 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 uh, blessed us with his with his graciousness. Um, <laughs> uh, it's really cool to work with somebody that you're a fan of. You Definitely, know? yeah. Because I know what I'm getting into. I know the sound that he that he. Uh, can achieve and um, it made the process very very chill and fun you know because our alignment was 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 amazing the entire time we never disagreed about anything um, the sound choice was awesome because you know uh, he's he's more of like a real a real producer you know like he gets he captures real sound he's a really good engineer like mm-hmm. He has all these little tactics, tactics to get very cool guitar sounds or get 
really great drum sounds and all that kind of stuff, like using small guitar amps and a lot of fuzz pedals, which is like, that's my vibe, you know? Right, There's a right. lot of producers that don't like fuzz because of the unruly sort of nature of it and how uh, uncontrollable it is. Right. Um, but he sort of loves the, or like, he, he, he can embrace the weirdness, you know? And yeah. The, and the, um, the like, the, the griminess, you know? Um, cause I think that's what rock and roll is at the end of the day. He, he appreciates the imperfections in what it is. Gotcha. And, uh, that made it so great to work with him because we literally didn't disagree about anything. We right. didn't fight about anything, which <laughs> happens a lot when you're making a record. Oh, for sure. I can imagine. <laughs> but he was like, oh yeah. Okay. I love your guitar. Um, let's try this pedal and this amp and let's plug it in here. And I'm like, oh yeah, fuck. That sounds great. Okay, cool. You know, and we just went with it. Like it was super easy. Right. And, um, and he's also just a very good guy. Like he's, he, he, he just let me do my thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just got out of the way. It was amazing. Right. And you guys, um, you guys recorded on tape, right? Yeah. Yeah. Portions of it were on tape. Like all the bass and drums were completely to tape. Um, uh, you know, not, not to my, it was to his, it, it, he was insisting, I guess I could say, because mm-hmm. that's how he likes to work. Like, I would never show up to the studio and be like, oh, yeah, let's do this on tape, by the way. Right. You know, like, <laughs> that's sort of a, that could be sort of like an egoistic or like just demanding thing to, to say. Right, right. But that's how he likes to work, and it creates a certain warmth and, um, and like a, a, a saturation you can't get. Um, otherwise, right. And, uh, a lot, some of the guitars were recorded to tape as well. Okay. Um, the vocals weren't because, you know, like I gotta, you gotta do a bunch of takes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just too demanding for me. Right. Um, but I want to say like maybe 60 to 70% of the record is like tape, you know? Yeah. Um, which is awesome. And like, that's a cool experience for me because when you're playing the bed tracks with everybody, like a lot of the bed guitar tracks, like just the basic rhythm were to tape because mm-hmm. we all recorded at the same time. Right. That was fun because it's like you get the feel of a real band because we are literally recording at the same time and there's no click track. Like we're just going off sort of like an imaginary time. Like, yeah, there's a click track that maybe counts off the first four beats and then we have like a rough time. That right. We're in. Mm-hmm. But if you actually listen to the record, like if you're like, you know, a, a perfectionist like me, um, you notice that it's not completely on time in some areas. Like some parts it drag a lot, some parts speed up, you know, and that's on purpose just because that's the way a band feels. That's like real groove. Yeah, you that, know? that's where you get that authenticity again, right? Like that live off the floor feel. We love about like, you know, Zeppelin and like John Bonham. Like, could you imagine putting John Bonham like to a click and like quantizing his drums? That's no. like, that's fucking sacrilegious and yeah. disgusting. You know, yeah. I, mean, I don't even want to think about it. You know? <laughs> but like, but what I'm saying is that what we love is, is the humanity and like, and the, the real feel of something, you know, when you're playing with a bunch of other people and the time sort of waving back and forth, it creates this real, um, this natural grooviness, you know, that's not static and it feels, it feels good. It feels better. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not mechanical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cool, cool. Tell me about the uh, the album art. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. I can't take full credit for that because I'm not a I'm not the graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, 
think the dude who his name who did it is Portland, I believe is his name. I could be getting that wrong, and I'm sorry if I did. Um, but you know, I sort of came up with like the rough idea. I was like, okay, like broken love. You know, it's not the most creative idea. I'm like, fuck, let's just do like a dagger through a heart, like kind of generic. Right. You know, I've seen it time and time again, but it's also sort of like a timeless thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, There's it something is. Something sort of cool about it being so obvious and relatable because we've all seen something like that. Um, and they were like, great, you know, this is cool because, you know, it, it, sometimes it's cool to be like, um, sometimes it's cool to, to just be obvious, like I said, and do something that's familiar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went through a couple of revisions. Like at first the album art was a little, it was a little like cartoony, you know, and I sort of wanted something that was more hyper-realistic Mm-hmm. And a little darker because I thought that maybe making it more, should I say, like lifelike, yeah. would be more striking of an image, right? Um, and yeah, you know, we went through the process and just like got a couple revisions done, and eventually they came out with what is the logo now. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be happier because I've always wanted my band to be recognized like with a symbol, you know, right? Like. Just like the Rolling Stones with the lips and the, and the teeth. Yep, yep. Or, or Aerosmith with the A and the wings, you know, or Guns N' Roses with the literal Guns N' Roses, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, you know, the list goes on. It's like, I, I would love for somebody to just throw that on a shirt or like spray paint it next to a building and people go, that's broken love. Yeah. You know? Cool. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have you have the logo tattooed on your forearm, right? I do have a tattoo on my forearm. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I thought when I uh, first saw it. I was just like, this looks like just like a really cool, like uh, almost well, not traditional tattoo, uh, not American traditional, but it looks like a tattoo design, which uh, which is really cool too. I, I like that. So you're getting that like like you said that that realism look to it, but it's it's still it looks like a tattoo as well, which is which is also awesome. Almost like it reminds me of like um, like sailor tattoos. Yes, like exactly, kind of definitely. You know, and that was also sort of the uh, the intent behind it. Because listen, like I would love for people to get a tattooed on it. Some people actually have, which is fucking crazy. No you know, way! Like, I can't believe somebody actually, you know, was willing to reserve a place on their body for my band. Like, which is unbelievable. That's um, cool. Of course, I did it because like. You know, all in all, I was like, oh, well, if the band ever works out, at least it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but yeah, you know, that was sort of the intention, too. And, like, when I went to go get it tattooed on me, I just brought the, you know, the picture. And the, the girl who did my tattoo was like, oh, yeah, that's easy. Like, it's pretty much made like a tattoo. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to chat a bit about, uh, well, you mentioned you were in the States and that you've been in the industry for 12 years. So tell me, tell me the, uh, Justin origin story. Like what, what were you doing in the States for so long? Uh, how, how did you start out in the music industry? Like the reader's digest version. Yeah. Let's do that. (laughs) Um, well, I got lucky when I was really young, you know, like my, my uncle was a great musician and sort of took me under his wing when I was like seven or eight and put me on to all the right stuff, all the great music, you know, that I'm still into now. Okay. And uh, he was a great guitar player um, as well. Was he like a, was he a session, uh, session musician or? He 
he like sort of stepped in and out of that world. I mean, he had a lot. He had a couple bands uh, in the '90s in Canada. Okay. And they would play like they would open for like Our Lady Peace and Tragically Hip. You know, like some pretty legendary bands. Oh, cool. Um, and then he did his own thing. He became like a club guitar player, which was awesome. Like he would play with like Tiesto and Paul Gunfold, and like he would just shred guitar at a club. Well, they wow. were playing, like, their beats and stuff, and it was just really original and really cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, super fucking cool. Like, it was, like, a pioneering idea. I don't know if people are doing it now still, but he was, like, a hit down in Mexico. It was, like, ma- mainly where he toured. Um, but that's besides the point. All, all I'm saying is that I was, like, very inspired by him. Okay. And, uh, like, through trial and error, like, the first thing that I remember happening to me was, like, I, uh, I got a gig to open for Akon when I was 12 years old. What? Uh, <laughs> I know, it's bananas, right? <laughs> like, like, even looking back, it sounds ridiculous. Like, my dad had a business partner that he was working with that was also a, a, a booking agent. And I remember him waking me up at like two in the morning. And he's like, calm down, like sing this guy's song. You know, I'm like, shit, okay. And I went down to sing him a Skid Row song. I remember you, Skid Row. Like, that was like my shit. Okay. And, uh, I guess, like, a couple months later, he called. He's like, hey, man, like, we need an opener for Akon and West Palm Beach. Like, would your son be willing to do it? I'm like, fuck, yeah. Like, that's insane. You know? Like, that's, like, my first real show ever. And wow. uh, it was insane. And um, basically, long story short, like, through that, I ended up getting signed to, to uh, it wasn't his production company, but um, his manager had this production company in in new york city and i moved there when i was 12 and i, I made like a like 40 50 songs with his people and uh it was a great experience i mean of course at the time like i was making like bubblegum pop you know okay yeah like, i was gonna, i was gonna ask what your sound was like back then yeah, it was like really a crossover of like justin bieber and like um who else was the other guy at the time the blonde dude um cody simpson okay like, that kind of thing, you know, and still, but like, still trying to reference like, Michael Jackson, all that kind of stuff, because that's where I like came from. Like, I love MJ and Prince and all that kind of stuff. Like, okay. sort of like the funkier elements have always spoken to me. Um, and of course, I was twelve. I loved rock. Like, yeah, I was already playing guitar, and I loved metal, and I loved all that shit, you know. But it just didn't make sense at the time to be that rock guy. Like, listen, I'm twelve. My voice, my balls haven't dropped yet. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, my voice yeah. was was like you know piercing right and uh i sounded like a girl and i wasn't really a capable musician but we were writing songs that was like my first taste of really writing songs and you know we actually wrote a lot of really great songs like looking back like just for the time and looking at my age like it, it was good for the time and you know we had interest man like 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 hollywood records wanted to sign me and <laughs> and uh sony wanted to sign me and there was all these people that were like holy shit like let's make this happen um and I said no. Like, I would walk into these meetings and just shoot myself in the foot because after I made the record, I came home and I listened to it all again. I'm like, man, I don't like any of this. Like, this is not who I am, you know? And, like, like, come on, the gusto of a 12-year-old kid. Like, I, I was, like, so fucking hard-headed and stubborn that I was like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah. You just know? a typical teenager. <laughs> Totally. And like, I don't know why I was so hard headed, but I have to thank myself for being that stubborn because I wouldn't be at this place now. And, um, 
you know, through that, it's like I realized that if you come out and you release something like Justin Bieber shit, who's going to take you seriously a couple of years down the line when you release a, a, a really rock record? It kind of ruins all your credibility. Definitely, you know? yeah. Personally, I think. Yeah, and, I agree with that. I think you lose that, like, authenticity. People are going to be like, man, you were, you were singing pop songs a couple of years ago. You're not a real rocker. Yeah. Gives that, especially in rock. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like maybe in other genres, you know, you can go from making like I mean, you, again, you could see that with like Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber, like they went from more bubblegum stuff to like real R and B and like good and good pop now, like mm-hmm. good songs, yeah, you know, that are mature and they're cool and they're sexy still, but like it's mature and I could take it seriously. But at the time, it was like, oh my god, this is this is too much, right? You know, <laughs> that's a natural progression I see out of that sound. You know, but you're not going to go from Justin Bieber to Soundgarden, you know, like, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, through the years, you know, I just sort of went through again, trial and error. Like I met this dude um, who was like a country uh, songwriter. Um, his name was Shane Stevens. And I, 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 I owe so much to him because he really taught me how to songwrite, okay. essentially. And he took me under his wing and I moved to, to uh, New York with him when I was like 16 and we were making more like country pop rock, I would say, but still always leaning towards the rock stuff because he was the first guy to sort of let me do my thing. Right. You know? And were you uh, were you just singing on these or were you starting to play guitar? Since I was like 11. So I was still playing guitar on the stuff um, when I was 12 because oh, I really okay. wanted to include that element, you know, in right. it. Because I guess that was like one of the selling factors. Like, oh, he's young, he can play guitar, like whatever that means. Right. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I was playing guitar and everything. And, you know, we wrote a lot of good songs, a lot of really, really good songs. Um, but again, it's just that natural progression. Like, you know, at the time I still was trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to say. And even though I wanted to make this heavier shit, I was sort of in this position where I was like, okay, well, you know, that stuff isn't it's not as successful as doing this stuff. So it's like, what, what road do I want to go down? Because if I release stuff, that's more pop and whatever, it, there's a chance that I might do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the big change, or, the big change for me was we moved out of New York and moved to LA together. And, um, at the time, I guess now I'm like 17 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we get out there, I was like, fuck, we got to put a band together. Like enough of all this. You know, like, let's put together a band. And, yeah, like he, again, he's another dude that's been in the industry for a long time. He knew who called make the connections and put the people together. And essentially, I had my first rock band, you know, when I was 17 in L.A. Uh, really, really great musicians. And, you know, naturally, as we started playing together, you know, even the songs we wrote that were more, quote-unquote, pop rock, started becoming more rock just because of how we played and the dynamic of a band now changes everything. Right. Because up until that point, I've been used to doing everything to tracks. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and like basically that's like where like everything changed because now I had this band and I was making rock music and slowly and surely as I got older, you know, I mean, I was 17 living alone essentially in LA. Like I got into a lot of trouble, you know, and did a lot of shit I shouldn't have and uh, lived a lot of life, I guess you could say. And um, and I figured out slowly and surely more of what I had to say and, and what I stood for. And um, the song started getting more aggressive and darker and heavier um, until it got to the point where I sort of had to step away from the, my mentor, 
at the time because I was like, listen, like, I love you. Like, we love each other. We work great together, but I'm just going on a different path. Right. You know? Right. And again, like, I just basically kiboshed another project. Like, the whole thing, you know, <laughs> it, it never saw the light of day. But what did happen is, like, through that band, I got signed to Razor and Tie. Okay. Um, through my old rock band. And w- um, was this... What was the name of this rock band? Was it Broken Love back then, or called Markham, like Markham, Ontario? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we well, there's nothing out there. Like, I mean, maybe on YouTube you could find like old video of uh, videos of us like playing live, right? You know, but we didn't release any music, and um, I got signed under that band essentially. Again, it was still like a one man band. It was still my band, and I hired everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote the songs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the time, you know, I, I would say we were making music when I got to that more rock place and we got signed by that rock label. The music was more like Buck Cherry, I would say. Okay. Like Airborne, maybe like a little ACDC, like that kind of stuff. Right. Or like more sexual, kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but like cock rock. Right. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that kind of thing, um, which I like loved when I was a kid, you know. Um, ACDC is exempt from that because they're like one of the fucking greatest bands of all time. Right. You know, but I love like 80s hair metal. I loved Rat and Poison and Warrant and like that sort of seeped into what I was trying to do because I was in this LA thing. We were playing on the Sunset Strip. It was like that vibe. So that was sort of like the vibe, you know? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of sound. And on the flip side, I was always a grunge guy. Like, I've always been a grunge guy and that's sort of been my home all the time okay um so again i got signed with this band and i was like i don't like any of the songs (laughs) (laughs) i gotta do it again you know and that's basically what happened now so i ended up you know new batch of songs new sound trying a little heavier a little darker you know drop tuning guitars Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. singing a little bit more aggressive uh saying things you know enough with writing love songs and about girls and stuff because what the fuck do I know about love and girls at like 18 years old? Like, right. <laughs> you know, I, I lived on my own for three years at that point. I'm not, I've never been in a relationship before. I've never been in love. So it's like, that's another thing I have to factor. Why am I writing all these songs about like sex and shit? It's like, what the fuck do I know? Like, you know? <laughs> right. It's yeah. It's a character. It's right. like a part that I'm playing. I'm like, I have to be more real. I have to be more authentic. And, um, and that's essentially what led to this, to Broken Love, you know? Cool. Like, I started writing all these songs. Really, you know, writing these songs that spoke to me, and I felt I could stand behind and actually represented who I was as a person. And, uh, and yeah, that's essentially how we got here, you know? Cool, that's man. Like the short version. Obviously, this, I can go on for hours about it. Right, but, uh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so you've, you've, like, you've found yourself now. You're being your most authentic self in, uh, with, with uh, what you're making with Broken Love. Now I don't even question it because I don't feel like I'm being held back or tied down. You know, I'm also at the age now I'm, I'm 23 where nobody's really telling me what I have to be anymore. You right. know? Yeah. Like yeah. when you're 16, it's easy for people to influence you and tell you how you should be because you're young. What the hell do you know? But now exactly. I'm a capable adult, you know, right. I've lived some life. Um, I've had some crazy experiences and I know what I have to say now. Now it's not even a thought. I just sit down and whatever I come up with now, it just sounds like, like me, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome, man. That's such a like that's such a beautiful thing to happen, right? Like to to finally have that where you're just like, this is me Absolutely. as I am. Like it's it's great. There was a lot of things like I remember being in LA and meeting a lot of these other young musicians and seeing them get so excited about their own music, you know, and listen to their own music when, you know, nobody else was around, but I was with them. We played in the car together and I'd be like, wow, these guys really fucking love what they do. Right. Like they could put it on and unabashedly just love it, you know, and feel proud of it. And I didn't have that feeling with right. any of my music at the time. And that was really like soul, soul sucking, you know, like it hurt. Right, you know? yeah, for and sure. I'm like, shit, I want to be at that place where I can jam my music, and every time I'm like, fuck yeah, like that's right, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Like otherwise, you're just like kind of like <laughs> faking it, right? And then it's just not totally again, not authentic. Which is like that seems to be a, a big theme in this conversation we've been having um, is authenticity. People can smell it on you, like literally, when you're out there playing music that you don't believe in, like you don't last long because no. people can feel it, they can taste it, you know. They can hear it. It's like it, it, it becomes very clear that what you're doing is an act and you fizzle out, you know? Yes. Yeah. And if there's anything like specifically, I would say the era of like 90s grind just taught anybody who's playing rock is to just fucking be yourself, man. Yeah. Like stop trying to be somebody else. And that's what I loved about those guys. You know, they didn't care. They didn't dress like the way everybody else dressed. They just got up and played the music that yeah. they loved and that spoke to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, look at Kurt Cobain getting on stage in a dress just because he's like, fuck it. <laughs> exactly. It's like so hilarious, but it's also like, well, fuck. Like, he doesn't care. He literally doesn't give a shit. It's so cool that he doesn't care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. he knows the music is good and he likes playing the music and, and he stands he stands behind it. Like, yeah. And it's real as fuck. Like, you know, it obviously comes across that that is truly him you know and it's powerful it like hits more in that way yeah you know yeah yeah for sure. for sure man for sure well man i think this is a this is a really good point to to bring this uh bring this to an end like this is uh ending on a very high note <laughs> something i ask everyone that i have on what uh and you know uh, during covid actually a lot of people are finding uh kind of new music and stuff it, what's like the latest uh coolest coolest band that you found that you've come across that you've been jamming to through uh through the pandemic in like like a an old school vibe okay like, i've been i've been getting into the older stuff i've been getting a lot to like neil young lately wicked and um yeah I, I, if i'm gonna say a new band i i uh i really like this band um dead poet society they're fucking amazing mm-hmm Actually, you turned me on to them uh, when I interviewed you last time. I've been listening to them quite a bit. I, know I did. <laughs> yeah, man. They're wicked. Yeah, they're great. They're like still up there. I've definitely been listening to a lot more older music, I would say, over this, just trying to visit things that I haven't really given the time of day to or like stuff that I should have listened to by this point. Right. You know, um, like I listened to the Eagles two days ago and now I love the Eagles. Um, right. Nice. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. Listening, like, I'm going to say like Eagles, Neil Young, Dead Poet Society. That's who I've been listening to. Cool. Sick. Awesome, man. Well, Justin, thanks again for uh, taking the time to chat with me today, man. And uh, really looking forward to uh, when you guys are able to get out there and do some shows again. I'll definitely be there uh, Be there for the next one. Let me ramble. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs>